Welcome to the sermon podcast of Harbor Church, located in downtown Olympia, capital city of Washington State. If you're looking for a church to belong to in the South Sound region, we invite you to visit us during one of our Sunday worship gatherings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. For more information about Harbor Church, visit our website at harborolympia.com. Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well. My name is Caleb. I serve as one of the pastors here. Don't be impressed. This is the uh, second time in my life I've ever worn a blazer. So there's that. Uh, just like Pastor Steve said, just want to say happy Mother's Day to, to all the moms. Uh, you have one of the most important and honorable jobs uh, and callings that someone could have. So, so thank you, moms, and happy Mother's Day uh, to you. Well, we're going we're gonna to dive right in. Uh, I, I'd encourage you to, to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 36 through chapter 16, verse 5. We're, we're in the book of Acts. Pastor Sean opened it up for us uh, last week. And as you're going there in your Bibles, uh, I just want to ask you a question. It might be kind of an odd question. Have you ever been in a fight? A couple of you, maybe you've, you, you've, you've been in a, in a tussle once in a while. Uh, I personally have, have always been too big and strong and, dare I say, handsome. <laughs> no one's ever really wanted to take me on in a fight. But, uh, but I don't really mean like a, like a fight in, in, in terms of like, like a physical fight, like a fist fight. I mean like a heated argument, uh, uh, contention a disagreement maybe with someone that you love, maybe a brother or sister, uh, a family member, some other type of family member, or is anybody married in the room? You don't want to admit it. You've had, you've had those types of uh, arguments before. If you experienced the first couple of years of marriage, I'm sure you have uh, had those types of uh, uh, disagreements and arguments. And you know the ones that I'm talking about, the, the ones that get so tense and so emotional that in that moment, there's probably not going to be any uh, 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 reasoning with one another because you're just, you're just fighting and, and going back and forth, probably not going to be any reconciliation. So, so he goes his way and she goes her way, hopefully not to mom and dad's house. That's not healthy for you. Uh, but 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 we're we're used to seeing something like this maybe in uh, you know uh, newlyweds or or a young brother or sister but we're actually going to see this happen today in uh, inside the church in the early church that Luke writes about with the apostle Paul uh, and Barnabas known as the son of encouragement uh, and so and and most importantly uh, we're going to see God's faithfulness just like we got through singing. Uh, all the way through it. So keep that in mind. I'm going to read for us uh, Acts chapter 15, 36 through 16, 5. Uh, I've titled today's message, Man's Failures and God's Faithfulness. God's Word says this, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement. 
so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe in Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in number daily. Father, we pray that as we dig into your word, uh, Lord, that you would help us that you'd help us to be illuminated by the scriptures, that you, that you would help us to know you more, uh, that you would help us be strengthened in the faith, that you would help us to be encouraged so that we could be poured out and so that we, we could be sent out to be witnesses uh, in our area, in our city, and in our regular routines and rhythms. Lord, uh, just bless the preaching of your word, we pray. Amen. Well, let me remind us of where we are. Pastor Sean, just like I said, uh, last Sunday opened up the book of Acts for us, uh, and we actually haven't been in Acts since last summer before that, uh, and I've slept since then. I don't know about you. Uh, but what we're seeing in the book of Acts, we're seeing the expansion uh, of the kingdom, uh, the gospel of Jesus going forth uh, and being, uh, being fruitful. And in the midst of it, we see the empire of man. Remember from Revelation? We see the empire of man trying to continue to tear down what is going on. And, and whether that uh, is persecution or whether that is uh, beatings or whatever they come up against, the empire of man is not able to stop the gospel going forth, not able to stop the kingdom of God uh, and his plan, uh, especially where we're at today to see the gospel go to the Gentiles. Uh, specifically, last week in, uh, in, in Acts 15, Pastor Sean preached about uh, those in the church who started preaching a message of gospel plus, uh, gospel plus circumcision uh, for salvation. The fruit of this false teaching is the believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia became unsettled uh, in their minds and they became, they became troubled in their hearts. And rightly so, right? We, we say it all the time, Pastor Seth says it, uh, that we have nothing to bring to the table but the sin that makes our salvation necessary. And can I just say, if, if you are unsettled, uh, if you are troubled in your heart, it's more than likely not the gospel uh, that, you're, that you're hearing, not the gospel that you're, that you're listening to and, and believing, because the full, simple gospel brings conviction. It brings salvation in the hearing of it. And just like we see at the end of what Pastor Sean preached uh, last week, it brings rejoicing and it brings encouragement uh, to the heart uh, of those who believe because of the grace that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. And so uh, through that false teaching, God was faithful then uh, to send uh, the letter through Paul, Barnabas, Judas, and Silas to deliver that letter to refute the teaching and to restore the purity of the gospel. 
You remember last week, you're saved by grace alone, uh, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So we see a lot of failures uh, of men happening in, in trying to uh, distort the gospel, but we see a lot more faithfulness from our faithful and loving God. But just like I said before, this morning we, we obviously see this failure of sinful man within the church between Paul and Barnabas and Antioch. They stayed behind uh, to preach as the others uh, went back. Uh, and, uh, and let's start working through the text here. Uh, Acts 15, verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So we have Paul and Barnabas, and we also have John Mark uh, in this conversation. Uh, the relationship between Paul and Barnabas at this point actually goes back 14 years uh, to Paul's conversion. So Paul and Barnabas at the point of this disagreement uh, were very close friends uh, and had already went on the first missionary journey uh, together. Two or three years before this point, the Holy Spirit set apart Paul and Barnabas to go on their first missionary journey, where they preached in several different cities. Uh, Paul here in verse 36 turns to Barnabas and tells him that he desires to go visit those who came to faith in Christ through their preaching in every city where they had already been. Paul wants them to be strengthened in the faith. Uh, Paul wants them to be encouraged, and Paul wants to make sure uh, that, that the gospel, the, the true gospel, not the add to gospel, uh, remains pure. Let's look at verse 37 and 38. Now, now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So we got to ask the question, what happened here with John Mark? It was John Mark who accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey in Acts 13 to assist them in ministry, but something went really wrong. Uh, in Acts 13, verse 13, Paul's, uh, it says this, Luke says this, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. At some point in Pamphylia, Mark had failed in what he had set out to do. He basically deserted Paul and Barnabas to do the work of ministry in the rest of those cities by themselves. And we don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. It could have been uh, the, the fact that he was young at that time, maybe uh, the, the, the pressures of persecution uh, or some sort of crisis of faith, but it was enough for Paul to disagree with Barnabas and his desire to take Mark with them. Paul clearly saw him as unfit for ministry and prone to repeat what he did in Pamphylia. John Mark had failed, but God in his faithfulness empowered Paul and Barnabas to press on to keep preaching the gospel in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, and many came to faith, and churches were established, and elders were appointed. Paul's thoughts on Mark did not, if, if you did not see that yet, Paul's, Mark, uh, Paul's thoughts on Mark did not go over well with Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas, being known as the son of encouragement, was the type of guy that was probably more uh, empathetic 
the type of guy who's probably going to come alongside you and see things from, from your vantage point. Um, it's likely that, that, that Barnabas thought, uh, Paul, why aren't you having grace uh, uh, for, for, for Mark? Compassion for him. Why aren't you extending the grace in Christ that you have been given and, and giving him a second chance? Then we see in verse 39 where there arose a sharp disagreement uh, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to, to Cyprus. Uh, Luke uses this word for sharp disagreement. I think it's paroxysm. It's actually a medical term used for a sudden attack or onset of an illness. Uh, but in this situation, it's a sudden attack and onset of white hot anger. This type of stuff isn't supposed to happen in the church. Uh, they were provoked by one another in a heated altercation. And regardless of, 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 of whose fault it was, it does take two to tango. I don't think any of us are having sharp disagreements with ourselves. If, if so, there's probably something not quite right there. It was a sharp disagreement and included both of them. When a sinner has a relationship with another sinner, a conflict takes place where there's a failure to love God and love one another because in that moment, one's hope is not in God, but in oneself or one's spouse to change or to meet our needs or to give us what we want. And I don't think I said this in the nine o'clock, but the ingredients to a heated altercation like this are not the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't think any of that's going on in a hot agreement like that. James, uh, in chapter 4, verse 1, says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You get angry because you want, but you have not. Let's look at verse 39 through 41. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we had this sharp disagreement. We had this sharp fight between the two. Uh, and Paul chooses Silas. And it says that being commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, uh, meaning uh, the blessing of the Jerusalem council, seems to be on Paul. So I, I was talking to, to somebody after the, the, the first service, and they're just like, Caleb, what, whose fault was it? I, I don't think it matters who, whose fault it was, but it does seem like the favor of the Jerusalem council is upon Paul. We'll probably talk more about it in the, uh, in the podcast. So Paul and Silas now get to Syria and Cilicia, and they strengthen the churches there. So even though we have this failure of man, uh, the letter gets to where it was going. It didn't stop God's plan from moving forward. The purity and the truth of the gospel message is upheld against man's attempt to distort it with a false gospel, even though we have a fight and a separation. Because of this, because of this, the brothers and sisters in Syria and Cilicia, they're strengthened. They're strengthened in the truth. 
They're strengthened in the truth of the gospel, no longer unsettled or troubled in their faith. The churches in Syria and Cilicia got to rejoice just like those in Antioch did because the gospel was reinforced, although the empire man tried to tear it down. Sinful man uh, tried to teach them that their hope must be in Christ plus their own work of circumcision to be saved. But God was faithful and the letter got to them. The letter that says that you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and this is not your own doing, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2. A few of you may know, um, I actually used to work in rebar uh, a a few years ago uh, for a rebar contractor, and I worked in shipping. And uh, can I just be honest with you? I didn't like that job. Uh, very much at all, and it was hilarious because I um, I wore this this shirt that was just high vis orange, and so I, I don't know if you realize this or not, but my natural complexion is bright orange, and so anytime I was like coming around the the, the corner or, or at work, it was just glowing, you know. But at this job, I had the opportunity to jump in the pickup and to go to several job sites in downtown Seattle or Bellevue. Uh, where I got to see these giant skyscrapers being built. If you're standing at the bottom of them, you can't even see the top. And I, I really didn't know that much about uh, rebar, but I learned that the whole point of uh, rebar is to reinforce and strengthen uh, the concrete. Uh, the gospel truth is like that. It reinforces and strengthens the faith. Uh, you, you can pour a concrete foundation and build upon it, and it may work for a time, just how you can plant a church without the gospel being at the center. But if the gospel is not at the center, then eventually the foundation is going to crack and crumble and erode over time to the point where it's not going to be safe to stand upon, to have a firm footing upon. The message of the gospel, life, death, resurre- resurrection of Christ, is uh, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, and that is Romans 1, 16. Therefore, it must be at the center. When the reinforcement of the word got to the hearts of those in Syria and Cilicia, they, uh, uh, through Paul and Silas, they remembered that there was not one ounce of hope found in what they needed to do for God, but what Jesus has done for them in their place. And they were strengthened, strengthened in the hope of the gospel, confirmed in their footing in the good fight of faith. And I just want to ask you today, where do you need to be strengthened? Where do you need to remember the gospel? Remember that it's not on you, it's not on your faithfulness, it's not your works that brings salvation. It's Christ alone and his finished work upon the cross. It's a message we need to hear every single day because we fail. But Jesus never did, and Jesus never does fail. All have fallen short of the glory of God and missed the mark. That's why your hope needs to be solely and completely and surely in God alone and in His faithfulness because He is faithful and He is eternal. And oh, how easy it is for us to put our trust and our hope in ourselves, isn't it? 
maybe hoping in yourself and your own abilities to measure up and be good enough so that you can say it's by my hand that I've earned this kind of salary or bought this kind of house or served the church in this way where, where, where identity lies, forgetting and disbelieving in the reality of God's faithfulness, that He is completely in control and He sustains all things and He rules and He reigns. So yes, it's, it, it's saddening that this happens between Paul and Barnabas, uh, this sharp disagreement. Uh, uh, These things happen in churches. Uh, Sometimes churches dissolve. Sometimes there's there's fights. It doesn't seem like there's reconciliation. Uh, At the planting of this church, uh, there was a dissolving of Mars Hill before Harbor was planted in January 2015, and there was a lot of people wounded after that. They, 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 They trusted in the ministry of the church. They trusted in the leaders in the church, and then what happened? A lot of people left. Some, some left and never, never came back. Walked away from the faith altogether. So if these types of things occur in the church, it's, it's no excuse whatsoever to, to distrust the message of salvation, and, and, and it's really no excuse to distrust the sender of that message, because the message is not for me or Pastor Sean, or Pastor Steve, the message is from God, through man. You could put the most brilliant men of all history into a room for years, and they could not come up with the gospel. It is from God, through man. Your hope must be in God alone. He's completely sovereign and in control. And there's not been one thing that, that you have that you have not received from the hand of God. We know that from Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Let's look to uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a, was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. He took him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that, this, that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them uh, for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. Luke, as he writes the the book of Acts, I don't think his main point was whose fault was it between Paul and Barnabas, because obviously there was sin on both sides. But really the main point is God's plan and God's faithfulness of getting the gospel out through uh, failures Uh, like the Apostle Paul uh, and Barnabas in the midst of it. And so uh, Paul came with Silas, Derby. uh, Paul came still uh, with Silas to Derby and Lystra, the same place where he had preached and been stoned by people for it. Uh, He came uh, to see how the churches were doing there, which is what he originally wanted to do. So he went along with the mission. And there he meets a young man named Timothy. You might have heard of Timothy before. 
Uh, Timothy was likely converted and saved through Paul's preaching in, uh, on the first missionary journey. Uh, later, Paul would write of Timothy in Philippians 2, 19 through 22, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered up by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your, uh, for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. You can hear in this text uh, Paul's love and affection for Timothy as he wrote of him uh, later on in, in Philippians and how their relationship became like one of, uh, as a father to a son and how good and gracious and faithful the Lord was to raise up a young minister like Timothy for the work of ministry since Barnabas uh, was no longer at Paul's side at that time. Timothy would go on to accompany Paul on the remainder of his missionary journeys as a faithful minister in Christ, so much so that Timothy's name, by my count, would appear on 12 of the 27 books of the New Testament. It's also safe to say that the Lord was faithful to bring reconciliation between Paul and John Mark as well as Barnabas. Uh, John Mark would be mentioned by Paul later in 2 Timothy 4.11 saying, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. And Paul writes in Colossians 4.10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. God's faithful in the midst of this. John Mark would go on to write the gospel of, uh, of Mark. Uh, and in verses 4 through 5, it says that Paul and Timothy went on their way through the cities, delivered the observance of, of the decisions uh, to uh, the other churches. They were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers. So Paul and Timothy not only delivered the council's letter to the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, but also in Lystra and Derbe and the other cities that Paul wanted to check on. The observance of the letter, the meaning, the following, uh, the confirmation of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, strengthened and reinforced the faith of the believers there. It's important to, to know, look at verse 5, um, that when it says strengthening, the word for strengthening means like making one's feet and ankle bones strong and established so that, so that your feet become strengthened to hold up the rest of your body so that you can stand firm instead of being weak and tossed about uh, without a firm footing. It's the same way that God made a crippled man from birth in Lystra in Acts 14 strong uh, in his ankles and his feet and his legs so that he got up and walked. Uh, it's a physical representation of what happens when gospel truth was reinforced in the believers' lives in the churches so that they were strengthened and increased in number. And there was nothing that the crippled man could do to make himself strong. There's nothing that I could do to make myself strong, just like there's nothing a dead man can do to make him alive in Christ. We're simply a recipient of God's grace and faithfulness. It's knowing and believing personally who, what, what Jesus did for you by living and dying and rising again from the grave that makes you strong. It is thinking and believing personally that you have anything to do with it that makes you weak. 
Like a foundation without rebar will eventually crack and shift and crumble, so will the man or woman whose hope is in themselves or other mere men and not in Jesus Christ. Jesus says this, doesn't he? If you remember, trust me, I'm faithful. He's the cornerstone. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He calls us to build your house upon me on the rock, not on the shifting sand. For if you keep building your house on the things of this world or on your own strength and abilities and faithfulness, then the house will not stand against storms. Storms are going to come. Some storms are already here. And when Jesus talks about storms and the wind and the waves and the rains, that's not, that's not literal. That's, that's symbolic of things like what we see here with, uh, with Barnabas and with the Apostle Paul. Conflicts, fights, uh, uh, persecutions, sufferings with someone that, that you love, uh, um, <clears throat> sharp disagreements with someone that you love, like what happened with Paul and Barnabas. Failures in church leadership happen, uh, hoping in man is sin, hoping in God and his faithfulness is rock. Uh, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. What is your foundation built upon? What are you hoping in? So I want to give us the, the main point of this morning's message, and that is this. Great leaders go astray and people fail. And plans, people's plans change. But God is faithful and he never fails. His plans remain the same. Our hope is not in man, but in God. From beginning to end, salvation is of the Lord. He predestined it. He empowered it, he accomplished it, and will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It's by his mighty hand that any of us make it to the shores of eternity safely. Salvation is of the Lord. And I just want to tell you, if you're here today, or maybe you're listening online or to a recording of this, why would you ever put your trust and your hope in something that's not eternal? Why would you ever put your hope in something that has an expiration date in yourself or in those around you or in government or, or in anything else besides Jesus Christ, who is the eternal Son of God? You and I are dust of the earth, fearfully and wonderfully made, but we die. Our hope needs to be in Him who is eternal, who is holy, not in temporary created things that will fail you. And we know and we see that there is one God who has been faithful throughout history, who is even to this moment making sure that you take your very next breath. It is he who is faithful to, to the end in sending Jesus Christ to win you, to buy you, and to save you for himself. And woe to the person who neglects such a great salvation. For it's the kindness of God that is meant to lead you to repentance. So in closing, I have two questions for us. Question number one, what are you hoping in? Are you chasing after the fleeting things of this world, the sand of this world? Are you building your house upon the sand 
and not the rock? On the things of the empire man that has no sure footing? Or is your hope in Christ? Are you placing your hope in Christ continually and trusting in Him? And question number two, where might you be hoping in your own faithfulness instead of God's faithfulness? A good indicator that we see from the text that that's going on is that you're unsettled, that you lack joy, that you lack peace, that you're troubled. But trusting in Christ looks like resting, looks like resting in the finished work of Christ. Distrusting in Christ looks like working for rest and never finding it. God's faithfulness is evident in that He brought victory out of contention, out of fights, out of separation, out of unfaithfulness. He was faithful through Mark and Paul and Barnabas' failures. The word went forth, people believed and were saved, and the churches strengthened in the hope that is in Christ alone and in His finished work and nothing else. Man's failures and God's faithfulness. If you really think about it, the whole Bible is a record of man's failures and God's faithfulness. From Adam and Eve uh, in Genesis all the way through Revelation, it's a story of sinful man and our, and, and, and our faithful and gracious, redeeming and covenant-keeping God. We sinned and rebelled over and over and over again against Him, but He, just like, it's, just like He says of Himself in Exodus 34, He is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this scripture that you've given us that we may know you, that we may have a firm footing, that we may be strengthened in the hope of the glory of God, the faith that is once and for all delivered to the saints. of The once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Lord, help us to hope in you. Help us to hope in the cross continually. And we pray that through that, through, through building our house upon you, that you would be our foundation uh, continually and we would be encouraged and strengthened and joyful uh, in our faith, Lord, and what it means to follow you and also what it means to share the good news with those around us and to be witnesses uh, for your glory, that others may come into the fold, that others may come to know you, that others may come to trust in you. Help us, Father, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us, visit our website at harborolympia.com or visit us in person on Sundays at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We hope you'll join us this coming Sunday.